you know, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Just stand with me. I feel quite emotional today. And it's because of the week that I've had, which has not been a different week in many ways. But I'm so privileged to interact with so many different people going through so many really difficult circumstances. And I believe God's already spoke to us through Becky and through the worship. So when Becky was sharing about, she looked over us and don't know what's going on in your lives, but there's obviously stuff going on in your lives. Well, on Friday night of this week, Martin and Julie Reagan's son, called Stephen, was travelling with someone else. And they had a really serious crash. If you've seen Bolton Evening News, it's on the front of there. He had a 12-hour operation yesterday. He's had both femurs pinned. He's still in an induced coma. Both lungs are collapsed. Friday day, everything was going swimmingly okay. And just in a moment, things change. We think of Anna Seed and her father who passed away this week. We think of Mary Andrews who actually has had a blood transfusion during the week. And there's many, many, many other people who are a brilliant prayer team. I'm looking at Addy and Maureen there and Clive and the rest of the prayer team who consistently meet together to pray. You might be thinking of people yourself now, but it's very apt for what I'm sharing this morning that we just take a moment and we pray into those situations and the other situations that you know about. God, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. We're going to sing the song shortly. God, we bring these families to you. And actually, when things happen so deeply in our family, we are drawn to you. We petition you, God. We ask for your help. As Aaron just prayed there, we do serve a miracle working God. And I pray that you would be with the Reagan family right now as they just sit at the bedside and the grandchildren and children at their bedside and just pray your healing power will be evident, a peace that passes all understanding. For Mary, we just thank you for her life, for her smiling face, for her way that she affects other people. I know she'll be doing that even now as she goes through that transfusions. Thank you for Hannah and her family and just pray as they say goodbye to their loved one that you would be all that they require today. How many other others in here are reminded of what we're going through? I'm reminded of, of how many people have lost loved ones. Oh God, we're here for a purpose. We're not here just to spend a quick hour. As Becky said, we're here to share time with each other, to allow you to minister to us, to allow you to speak to us afresh. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will be glorified through everything I say. And God, we would leave this place, not in a, in a better place, but in a place where we're challenged. With that we'll act out the songs that we sing. And overflow of our heart will be the evidence of what you're doing in our own lives. And all God's people said, Amen. Please take your seats. We may have in this service, or the next service, Dave, Lauren, Lux, Harvey. Are they in this service? Because it's coffees on Dave. If you believe that, you'll believe anything. I said I'm in a privileged position as I share now about being poured out. I'm going to read scripture, I'm going to share some stories, but more than that, I'm going to be vulnerable. Just let me read a scripture from Luke 8, 45, 47, because this is Jesus acknowledging his resource was depleted when he doesn't spend time with his father. So this is Jesus talking. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master... The people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touch me. I know that power has gone out of me. 
Someone touched me. I know because the power has gone out of me. Poured out, by definition, means to be poured out, we need to have something in to start with. Let me ask you a question. What's in you right now to pour out? Whether you're a person here or a person watching on, I'm just going to use one or two analogies. You might be someone who fills your car up if you do drive and you fill it up three quarters. If it's three quarters of a tank empty, you fill it up. And you only do one big shop a week, but it's always got to be, you never know when you're going to run out. Is that you? Put your hand up. I don't know why I'm looking at you, Peter. I've got one being honest. So you always think you're going to run out. You might be someone who actually is the other extreme who runs on the fumes in your tank. Is that anyone in here? What actually you do is you wait for the light to come on and then you know perhaps you've got 25 miles, perhaps 30. And this is not even on running out of gas, but what about those who don't put their air condition on even when it's a heat wave because it drains the battery? That's not true. Get your heating on. So, my wife Anna, she never fills the tank up totally. She'll only put 30 quid in. I'll say to her, why don't you fill it up? She'll say, it costs too much money. I says, yeah, but you're going to go back and fill up more, aren't you? And she says, yeah, but I just can't put more than 30 quid in. She's a debt counsellor, so perhaps it comes from that. What about those of us in here, and I'm talking to my mate Peter this week, who actually drive five miles extra to get the litre a few pence cheaper. And I said to him, I don't think you've saved any money though, mate. And he convinced me, but I'm not too sure. But perhaps, and this next image will make us smile, perhaps you drive an electric car and you've got at least 100 miles before you've got to plug it in again. And when you do get to your destination, you can't find anywhere to plug it in. So you wait around for three quarters of an hour, but you're saving the environment. Yeah, all right. Well, let's have a look at this gentleman filling up his Tesla with fuel. This is an electric car. You might have seen these sort of images. So he's brought his electric car to the gas station, the petrol station, to fill up. I love it that people have got the camera out and they're actually taking people there. So this guy here... He's perplexed. Where does he put the petrol? <laughs> you can get the idea. We'll, we'll move on. Now, let's be honest. Us guys think we never do anything like that. But has anyone tried putting diesel in a petrol? Men, men. Come on, Matt, let's see your hand. Or vice versa. We do have a tendency to blame other people other than ourselves, but we're capable of it. I want to say this in the context of my Christian life. There's many, many times that I've run on fumes. I've relied on my past knowledge. I relied on my own strength. I've done it this way before, so I've had a mentality of relying on that, that that's going to work for our future and my future. Becky said it in her words to us, I'm just too busy, there's too much going on to sit and wait on God. Is anyone else like that or is it just me I'm speaking to? 
to rest in him, to renew my strength. It may be just for me, but I doubt it. I just have this great sense that God's going to do a new work in us all today. If we'll, we'll, we'll allow him to do so. How much time do you devote to God? How much have you done that recently? And allow God to pour into you. To listen, to rest and to meditate in God and on God's word. What about, as we've sent you the emails out as a family here at church, to pray into our family. How many of you have done it? Be honest. Really, have you done it? As we prayed into our community, we've prayed for our children, our youth, for our new mothers who've got babies who need a bit of support and help, our older folk, those going through extreme difficulty. I've mentioned a few just there, perhaps in debt, just needing a kind word or a little bit of support. But are we just too busy? It's someone else's job. Perhaps it's my job because I'm an employed person here at the bridge. Cookie can do that. I want to chastise us a bit. It's up to us all to start waiting on God a bit more. Petitioning our God a bit more. Poured out. Ask yourself the question, are you empty? Are you full? Or are you running on fumes? I'm going to talk about three things. Recognise, respond and rely. Church, we need to recognise. First and foremost, I need to recognise. You need to recognise where I am this moment in my life and my relationship with God. To recognise to be a disciple of Christ, we need to wait on God and rest in God. To be filled continually by his spirit. That we would be continually renewed in our strength as we seek God to pour into us so we can pour out to others. Recognising is the key. But I want to say, I do recognise, but I don't always put it in action. I've got this way that I work within my family, and I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I constantly, without question, get told off for doing something daft. My daughters, my son, my grandchildren, all of them blame me for everything. Because I have this way of working that's a bit spontaneous. I do things that are a bit sort of... I've not put my brain in gear, I just do it, and I think it's hilarious. But it's really not hilarious to my family. I think everyone's going to take on board what I'm doing. I'm even in a restaurant, look at this next image. I'm in a restaurant, and I decide to do this. Have you got that next picture there? There. Have you ever seen that little man walking away? My family thinking, what are you doing? And then the guy who owns a restaurant says, what do you do as a profession? I think... <laughs> I, I act daft. We all have an intention to change, do we not? To serve better, to give more, to be a better disciple of Christ, a better friend to others, a better ambassador. Don't we? We desire it. We'll be sat here not wanting to continue perhaps in the lifestyle that we've got and the way that we treat others and the way that we want to give, but we just can't seem to get anything out of our pockets to give because after all, Where's it going? What's it going to be used for? I'm always banging on about here at church, not by strength, not by might, but what? By my spirit, says the Lord. I believe that 100%. I desire it. We are a Pentecostal church. We're filled and we're spirit empowered, where signs and wonders should follow. Not now and again, but consistently. Healing and miracles should be taking place. And they are to an extent, but I want to encourage us. 
the attitude that we come into this place with is what we pour out to others. Just think about your journey in here today and who you interacted with and who you've shared a bit of your time with. Have you been encouraging? Have you been saying, yes, you can get through this? Yes, God is going to see you through this situation. We, have we declared that over each other's lives? You know, life is sometimes unfair, unjust and lonely. We heard last week as our beautiful people went through the waters of baptism. Some were angry with God. They were saying, worse the effects, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. We've heard that before, haven't we? And yet, I shed tears as those individuals went through the waters of baptism and they recognised Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. The perspective of God has changed, partly through the Alpha Course, thank you every single member of the team who's inputted, but equally through other areas of church life. Jesus, they found, was unashamed and unabashed. His love endures forever. He's a healing God. He's an all-suffering God. He's a God who says, he takes it on the chin when you say, I don't agree with you, God, or I don't get it. That's fine. You know, when I recognise my ways and give them to God, I know I'm better in these ways. I'm better mentally. I'm more effective on my ministry. I'm more available to my family. When I've spent time consistent with time with God, I am a better person. So why don't I do it more? Why don't you do it more? Whilst running my businesses, and some of you hear this, but some of you need to hear it again. When I ran my businesses, I ran to the hills when I needed to spend time with God, which was constant, because when you run your own business, there's a lot of stuff that happens. My brother, Jeremy, who's not a Christian guy, he would come to my place of work and he would say, where's Richard? Is he praying in the hills? Not sarcastically, but because he knew that's what I did. When I started here in ministry and gave up the business to work here, I did that all the time. But guess what? I get out of the habit of it a bit more. I'm too busy. To be honest, I need to do it more. You see, when I don't do it, I become a bit more blurred and a bit more foggy. My vision for what God's asked me to do gets all too busy. Perhaps you're in here and you're taking on so many hurts for other people. And that challenge drains you emotionally. You know, when you put your focus on others and you become insular, you get polarised in your troubles. And we fail to recognise the need to be filled and energised by the Holy Spirit. We read in scripture about Jesus going away to rest and pray. That's from Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left his house and went off to a solitary place and he prayed. His companions went to look for him and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. Have you not found when you do try to have a bit of time on your own, everyone's looking for you? Because there's a lot of stuff that you need to help with. A lot of stuff that needs doing. It just sounds like my life. I'm going to drive to the hills. But hold on, something calls me back. Something... A lot more pressing than spending time with my Jesus. Really? Jesus was busy during Jesus' life and ministry, especially in the latter part of his time here on earth. It was a constant challenge for his time, his energy. Everyone wanted a piece of him. From his mates, his disciples, when he tried to get respite and go away. But then he shares he was overcome with compassion. Seeing individuals harassed and helpless, just like me and you. 
Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves by a boat to a solitary place. Even Jesus took off time from people. That's a great image, isn't it? Jesus took time away from people. I think sometimes we put Jesus in that place of always being available, always being there for us. And he is in the sense of by his spirit. But he understood this. In the midst of ministry and his calling, he continually recognised he had to withdraw from people, daily life activities and the demands of his ministries to be alone with his father and pray. His ongoing intimate relationship with his father was the source of his compassion, the source of his wisdom, the source of his power that we see in every gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Jesus is our perfect example of how we are to face our day to days. Just a few examples and listen to these. Jesus went away to pray. After the multiplication of loaves, Mark 6. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. Immediately before choosing his 12 disciples, Luke 6. In these days he went into the hills to pray. And all night he continued to pray to God. Before Peter's profession of faith that Jesus is the Christ... Now it happened that he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he asked them, who do the people say I am? Immediately before the transfiguration, Luke 9. Now about eight days after these, uh, after this, after, sorry, these saying, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountains to pray. Before teaching our father, Matthew 9, uh, Matthew 5 verse 9, he was praying in a certain place and when he sees, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples. Before the crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went to the place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Praying on the Mount of Olives when Jesus and his disciples had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This was Jesus' usual praise to pray when he was in Jerusalem. Grieving the loss of his brother in Christ when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been, been, been beheaded. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Examples of Jesus. Coming from his own experience of a, of a private personal prayer, Jesus teaches his disciples to do the same. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue on the street corners, and they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, you have received their reward. But when you pray, what? Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus examples us how to face our day-to-days. Question, and it's a big question for us all. If it was priority for Jesus, why isn't it priority for us? We need to be poured into to pour out. Solitude and silence shows up at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He made it the, more, in the most important decisions when he spent time in those places. It's how he dealt with the troubling emotions like grief. It's how he dealt with the constant demands of his ministry and care for his soul and how he taught his disciples. It's how he prepared for important ministry events. It's how he prepared for his death on the cross. Prayer and time with God was essential to Jesus facing what, what he was called to do from his father in heaven then the woman seeing that she could not go unnoticed came trembling and fell at the feet at his feet in the presence of all the people she told him she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed 
Do you know what, church, individuals watching in, we carry the same power. We are vessels on this earth. Becky said it earlier. We're here to be poured into, to be poured out. Respond. Perhaps now you recognise a bit more. Perhaps you recognise yourself. As I've shared a bit of vulnerability about myself, about me not always being available and not always running to the hills as I used to. But I want to get back into the habit, so I'm doing it more often again. Because that's when I'm at the best. I think I was brought up in a place where my dad was a businessman and unless I was doing something and working till 10 or 11 at night, I wasn't fulfilling all that I should be doing. They call it a workaholic, don't they? And to actually spending time with God, I have to justify it. That's how I came into church life. I have to justify spending time with God. Because the model I'd seen in my life growing up was, yeah, you go out to work and you work hard all day and most of the night. That's not the model that God's asked us to live. Bottom line, we need to take responsibility. My responsibility is different than your responsibility. You have to take responsibility for your own walk in God. It's an individual walk. It's a lonely walk. But actually, you cannot blame it on others. Some of you rest in your family. Some of you will walk and talk about what the doctor says into your situation. I say to you, what does God say into your situation? What is that still small voice that God says? Be encouraged, church. I'm at my best, you're your best when you spend time with God and you respond to what God is doing in your day to day. Via church suite, I'll put a little word on there tomorrow from one Thessalonians. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And it will be saying whether you're single, married, parenting, younger or older, let's be together as a family where we will be there mutually for each other. I strongly believe in team. We are in this together. We are stronger together, which is a nice catchphrase, but it is the absolute truth. When we interact and spend time together. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, no one person, so one person sharpens the other. Talking of recognising and responding, to be honest, I found COVID incredibly difficult. I became isolated. I did not work well due COVID, during COVID. I needed to be around people. I found myself being on the island. Some of you might think that's the best thing that happened, COVID, because I didn't have to interact with people. Totally the opposite for me. I recognise that. And I've got to be honest, it's took me a while to come out from that. As people have come back to church a bit more slowly, some people not come back to church, some people decided to move on. That affected me. But you know what? Perhaps it's because I was focusing on the wrong things. Although I miss people and I want people to be part of our team here at the Bridge Church, I also want to recognise that it doesn't matter really how many people come on a Sunday. What matters is, is the attitude that you come in with and what you've got to pour out for others. Sounds a bit harsh, but it's the truth. You know, I was part of a sport, as many of you know, that was an individual sport, motocross. It was dog eat dog. It didn't matter about your teammates because you didn't have teammates. You just had to be first over the finish line. I smiled last week when Nasli shared the story about sports there. And she, if you were listening or listening, if you've not, she's talking about how she fell over on sports day. I think it was at primary school and she bloodied her knee. And her headmaster said, get up, Natalie, and run. Sounds a bit like Forrest Gump, doesn't it? <laughs> I smiled to myself because I thought one of the races I was racing 
And as we went to the first corner, 40 of us riders, there was a big crash in front of me. Now, I had a decision to make. Tells you a bit about me, this. Do I stop and wait for the people to get up off the motorbikes? I don't go over them. You got it? I went over them. Better traction. But you know what is interesting about that? As we finished the race, my, my teammate says to me, you won't believe it. it was in the St. John's Ambulance. He said, you won't believe it. Someone's rode over me. I says, have they? That was me, that. That's, that's how I was. You know, some of my greatest involvement in the team when I've been playing football with teammates, I can see some here. Johnny's here and Marley's here and Smithy's here on the sound desk. And I love those times. The camaraderie, the banter, the winning together, the losing together. Sharing life's ups and downs. The losses of loved ones. Smithy, I was thinking about you when I was writing that and your sister who is no longer with us. Because that's what teammates do. I remember standing around the centre circles together as we just had a moment's silence. And we still do that. I know Andy still does it with the team. Togetherness. You know, I miss that and I miss managing football teams myself. And I ask myself, well, what have I replaced that with? Again, that can be isolation. You hear a lot of sports people who've been involved with teams, when they give up the profession, they feel quite isolated. Just another reminder why team is so important. You don't know what's around the corner, none of us. I just shared about that real difficult time that Martin and Julie are in, the Reagan family with their son Stephen, just around the corner. Friendships matter, literally matter, to carry you through. And I'm going to ask you something here. If you've not, nothing to give and all you've got is hot air, hot air doesn't get anywhere. But when you're filled by the Spirit of God, you've got something to give that is worth giving. Many, many years ago, I'm not going to show this clip, I'm going to show a different clip. But many years ago, we saw images of Rick and Dick Hoyt, if you remember it. It was a gentleman who had a son who was in a wheelchair and he used to do um, Iron Man. Thank you, Anna. And he used to push his son and his son said he came alive. Well, there's a, a recent story that's really touched me and it's the story of Rob Burrows. You might have seen it on the TVs and documented. 2019, Rob Burrows was diagnosed with MND, motor neuron disease, at 37 years of age. He was a decorated rugby, rugby league player, run all the accolades in that sport. He came to that place where he was giving a, a speech at the end of the season due and his teammate Kevin Simfield said, what's up, have you been drinking? You're slurring your words. He says, no, anyway, he was diagnosed not long after that. And as I read the book and saw the images, Kevin Simfield did something and, and does something remarkable with some of his other teammates. He saw his mate losing the ability Physically, not mentally, but physically. As Rob lost his speech and then started to lose other ailments, so his body then started to give in. And you know what? As I show you this glimpse of Kevin Sinfield and what he does, he lifts Rob up at the end of a marathon after pushing him in the wheelchair and carries him over the finish line. I was profoundly moved and profoundly moved when I read about what's going on in Rob's life with his young family knowing what his epitaph is because it's only a few years you get with that illness. Just watch this image and think about team. It's all right when it's going well, but when, it, when it's not going as well, we still need each other. Just watch these, this short video. 
church. Did you see Kevin Sinfield there and just kissed, kissed him on the cheek? This strapping man who was Rob Burroughs, now seven stone light. So light he can be lifted up. But I'll tell you what, if you're not moved with compassion when you see images like that, but that's a picture of us in our lives. Sometimes we need someone to lift us up and to carry us over whatever it is we needed carrying over. A quote that I've read recently from the Tour de France Unchained, pain shows who, who we are. If you're able to go beyond suffering and sacrifice, then maybe you have a chance to win. Poured out for others. Recognise, respond and finally rely. To rely on something is to totally trust. I'm emotional being, you're emotional beings in here. When was the last time you shed a few tears? I found myself doing it more and more the older I get. I'm moved with compassion. A brilliant image I want to show you, it'll come up on the screens, is when my grandson Hudson, we have this thing together where, call it a ritual, but every time I see him, I lift him up and he puts his head on my shoulder. And he rests it there for what is about 10 seconds, only a short space of time. He gives me a Papa C hug. But you know, in that moment, we're totally at peace and totally at rest. There's something of a bonding in that little moment that you see there that I cherish, I long for. But you know what? Your Jesus, my Jesus, longs for you to do that. Just for you to rest for a moment. Put your head on your Jesus' shoulders and just be. Jesus wants our undivided attention. He longs for us to reset and rest our head on his shoulder. A moment for us to connect, to be poured into, to be ministered to, ready for us all to face our day-to-days. A good habit that becomes a lifestyle. What is my first response to hardship? Where do I run, literally? when times of trouble come in whom do I rely on be honest with yourselves I love what the apostle Paul says in his last letter found in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8 for I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near I've fought the good fight I've finished the race I've kept the faith now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award me on that day during my Christian life there's been ebbs and flows very lonely times abjectly difficult times through health and through relationship but I've got some themes that God has always poured into me Jeremiah 17 7 to 8 but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. It's echoed in Psalm 1 as David sings over us. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who he meditates on day and night. That person is like a tree Planted, tree, like stream, uh, planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither wherever they do prospers all heaven is behind us church the power and majesty 
if we sincerely ask God into our lives, not through the waters of baptism only, but actually in our desperation of our understanding of our need for God. Who touched me? Who touched me? Jesus said. Can Jesus say that about your lives today? Can Jesus say something has gone from me because my child has spent time with me? When they denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone from me. That's intimate. That's personal. That is something that I desire. But I tell you what, we just click our fingers and expect God to turn up when we want God to turn up. Jesus says, be filled. Be filled afresh. I don't want any of us in this place to miss out. You might be here thinking, I've never been in church before. What's all this about? I'll tell you what it's about. It's about the reason we were born. Our creator breathed life into us and he said, go and make disciples of me. But first of all, he said, do you accept me as your Lord and Saviour? And then he says, on the confession of your faith, what? I baptise in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Who touched me? The benefits the Bible says that a believer can experience, Ephesians 5a, urges us, be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Don't we get filled when we are saved, when we first ask Jesus into our life? Jesus says this, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus says this, who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The verse goes on to say, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom the, who those believing in him would receive. Here the Holy Spirit is seen as a river. A river produces power. We are filled with the spirit so God can flow through us like a powerful river to impact others. 2 Corinthians 3. Wait on the Lord. He will renew your strength. I have lost count, church, how many times I have prayed over people. And as I prayed with them, I've stated this. It is not my arms that are around you. It's not my hands that you can feel, but it's Jesus' loving arms that are around you. It is his hands that are touching you. Because I want God to get all the glory. I want to be that vessel that pours out and gets out of the way. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Number one, recognise. Learn about yourselves, how you tick. Number two, respond. Never take your life for granted. And number three, rely. Make the way you work and interact with God count. Daily, run to the hills. Recently, very recently, a lady rang me from church. She said, can you come to my house? My husband is in abject pain. He was in serious, serious pain with septicemia and gangrene. And she said, will you come anointing with oil? He needed a touch from God. When you're in that pain that's so excruciating, is that the right word? Well, you know it, don't you? I'm not going to say it again. But when you're in that pain... It's so bad. You do not want to be on this planet anymore. You want respite from that pain. James 5.14, is anyone sick among you? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. I arrived with a vial. I have this on my key ring. It's army ready because it's camouflaged. 
And in this, there's oil. I want you to look at that. Can you see the size of that? It's just a small vial and you, you, you undo it and there's little bits of oil in there. Remember the size of that. And remember the story I'm going to tell you that's a true story. So I get there and we have a, a bit of a chit chat and then I, I start to pray with oil, this gentleman. I take the top of the oil off and I get a speck of oil on my finger and it is a speck. And I put it on the gentleman's head. And I pray, and I pray that prayer that I've just said to you. God, would you flow out from me into this man? Would you anoint him from the tip of his head to the bottom of the soles of his feet? Would it be that you could take this pain away from him? And as I shared that, I then went. I cracked on when we did. And I've got to say, that's all that happened in that moment. That's all that happened. I was just a vessel. But I felt drained after because I was ministering and allowing God to minister through me. About a week later, this lady came to see me and she said this. Now, this is the power that's within us from heaven. This is what her husband said. Where's the effect? You know, when Cookie prayed for me, why did he pour the whole bottle of oil over my head? I felt it go over my hair and run down my, over my whole body. I had a speck of oil on my finger and I put it on his head. But what he, what he felt was the whole oil over his head. What he experienced was God doing something that only God could do, anointing him from head to toe. That is the God that we serve. I believe today God is preparing us all I believe that he whispered in my ear as I was preparing this. I believe that as we give God time at this moment, that he will pour out afresh on us. He will renew a right spirit within us. He would say to you, it's about time you stopped all these recreational stuff where you're doing all this other stuff and you started getting and resting your head on my lap or on my shoulder and let me pour into you so you can pour out to others. We are born for such a time as this church. I am privileged to oversee this church. I am privileged to every single person that I go and visit. I am privileged to every single person I pray for. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes I don't get it right. Sometimes I'm not available because I'm too busy. But I desire, I desire, I desire, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, we're going to sing it. Fill me anew. Spirit of the Lord, fall afresh on me. I heard a song and I'm going to finish with this. The words of the lyrics were this. I'm not a building you want to fill. It's my heart. This empty space is what you wanted all the time. It's what you wanted all the time. Let's stand. Let's sing. Let's receive. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Amen. Amen.